Hello and welcome to the Good Morning Podcast, a podcast about extraordinary, ordinary people. I'm Kelly, your host, and this is After Show with Jude Casali, a more lighthearted way of getting to know this week's guests. In After Show, we talk about our oh yes or oh no moment of the week. This is where we highlight a moment in our week that we're proud of or maybe not so proud of. We also answer Google's top questions for the phrase, why do Syrian dot dot dot. Enjoy! So, it's time for our oh yes or oh no moments of the week, Mm -hmm. because you're our guest. Do you want to go first? Yes. Okay, so my oh yes moment happened yesterday when I... So I had an exam yesterday and I made a quizlet of all the important dates that we were going to have in the exam, because we had a multiple choice section. And it was like a hundred plus terms. So I like spent a lot of time making it. And then I was like, why don't I just share it with like 50 other people? And so I like typed out all these different emails and half of them I didn't even know because I was in a group chat for people who did this unit. But like, I didn't really, I knew like two people in that group chat that added me. And there was like 20 other people there that I didn't know. And I thought like, and I sent like guys like, you know, if anyone's interested, I made a Quizlet. If you want to send me your email, send it through. And they like, (laughs) <laughs> the messages just came through all these random names I've never even heard before some of them didn't even say thank you <laughs> but I did send it to everyone and that was like a oh yes go nice. <laughs> how did the exam go good yeah half of like most of the multiple choice um, section was on my quizlet so for those who got it I hope you did well <laughs> you just saved 50 bucks yeah. from this exam with your quizlet <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah no but it was nice I mean like they were also sharing some resources so I was like it's nice to you know help each other out yeah yeah that's cool yeah so I have an oh no moment mm-hmm. this week um so I was at Southern Cross Station, because mm. I just came off the train from Bendigo and I had my earphones in, you know, I was like very dozy after yeah. two hours of sitting on the train. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really like with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And out of the corner of my eye on the on the platform, I was just walking towards the exit. Mm. There was this man who was like shouting, but I have noise cancelling headphones, so oh, I Lord. couldn't hear what he was saying. <laughs> but then I like things like it was all very slow motion. I don't know why I was so out of it, but mm. I just like things went clicking into place. And there was this woman he was shouting at, and he started putting his hands like on her shoulders oh, and like Lord. shaking her. And then my brain was like, "That's oh. weird." And then <laughs> and it took like a couple of other more seconds for me to be like, "Oh, this is not good." But by that time, I kind of already walked past. So as oh. I was processing this, I was already walking, and I was just kind of thinking like. Should I go and do something? Should I not do something? And I think when I walked past, this was as it was happening. Mm, 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 mm. So no one else had really responded because it it only just happened. And I was like, why isn't anyone else doing anything? This is really weird. Mm. And I was looking because there were a lot of the other V-Line staff standing around. And And I was like, why are they doing it? It was, I don't know why my brain processing was going so slowly. But like, yeah, I felt really bad afterwards Mm. for not doing anything. But then also, like, I don't really know what else I could have done. Like, I guess I could have told the staff, but then... Mm, They would have have seen it themselves and they, you know, should have done something as well. I mean, at least it was in a public space where, you know, people will see and people will... Someone will intervene. But if it was, like, you know, private and no one else knew about it, that would be... That would be a pretty big oh-no moment. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, like... You know, if if I was thinking someone else will do it and then everyone else was thinking, thinking someone so, else. Yeah. then, you know, yeah. I guess the staff do have maybe more responsibility yeah. to do something. Yeah. But it's like, 
I don't know. I didn't really like that feeling because mm. the first thing that popped into my head was I should do something. Yeah. And the second thing was like, I don't want to because I don't feel safe. Yeah. And it was like, I hate feeling that way. Mm. Yeah. It's hard. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's difficult because you like want to stand up to the person, but you also want to make sure that you're not injured as well. Mm. And it can be really hard to draw the line between those two things. Yeah. And yeah. it's also like when someone like that man is in such a state of like, being really aggressive mm, you don't know. like how am I supposed to put myself and be the more dominant person yeah. if I want to you know like yeah no I agree tone down the situation yeah it's very yeah. hard as well. and especially if he's like obviously like strong and and you don't know him and you don't know what he could be under the influence of as well yeah so so yeah it's a difficult situation but hopefully with time I think we can slowly slowly learn how to be, be more confident in those situations and be, you know, quick, like quick thinkers and, and do something. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Like mm. literally I was analyzing myself so much after this and I was like, <laughs> you know, the fight or flight situation, yeah. I am a total flight. Uh, like yeah. my responses yeah. immediately flee the situation. Yeah. I don't, do not engage. I don't blame you though. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard. Like I said, but you know, it's a process. You yeah. live it, you live and you learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should take self-defense classes. Mm. Have you ever thought about doing that? I have. I have. But, like, I hate exercise (laughs) physical activity. So probably not going to do that. But, you know, it's a nice thought to have every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I did take, like, kind of a mini one. Mm. And they said that your best self-defense is to run away or make a lot of noise. So, you know, it's not a lot of effort. (laughs) Maybe the running part. (laughs) But I can definitely make a lot of noise, you know, if that's what you want. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hot tip from Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to play the game where we type in something in Google and then we're just going to answer Google's questions. Yeah, okay. So we typed up (laughs) this week, why do Syrian? And we got a bunch of uh, interesting, interesting, yeah, very interesting, <laughs> interesting questions. Yeah. Um, I feel like some of these could be combined. Probably, yeah. Like There's I feel definitely like... a theme going on here. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read out the first five. Yeah, because okay. we think they're. So why do Syrian refugees come to Australia? Why do Syrians leave their country? Why do Syrians flee their country? Very nice. Why do Syrians migrate? Why do Syrians leave Literally Syria? Four why... Oh, actually, probably the other ones. Why do Syrian refugees go to Turkey? Very specific. Very specific. Okay. <laughs> I think a, a four-word answer because there is oh, five words because there is a war <laughs> that is like ongoing and it hasn't stopped and it's still violent. Even if you might not hear about it every day, it's still happening. Actually, you probably do hear about it recently because of what Turkey has done. Um, but yeah, people people want to get out. Trust me, it's not fun there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, what's the situation now? Right now, the latest thing, well, the latest major event, obviously, there's always something happening, but you can't always know, um, is the US pulled out its support uh, for the Kurdish groups in northern Syria. Um, When the US pulled out, Turkey came in and basically launched like a really severe military campaign. And they're like in one way or another, invading the north of Syria right now because they don't want... They never liked the majority of the Kurds and they don't want them to establish an autonomous state. So as soon as America pulled out, they were like, this is our chance now that they don't have the US's support anymore uh, for us to attack. So yeah, that's the latest 
piece of news. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Do you think that the time is coming when people won't have to leave soon? Well, I think people have had to leave for the past seven years. I mean, sure, some years were more peaceful than the others but it's all it's been an ongoing war and the consequences have just like have not stopped you know like there's not there's no sound infrastructure anymore there's no social services there's like nothing that can really help you there so I think if anyone gets the chance to leave they will probably take it yeah yeah actually really interesting so you said you have still a couple of friends who are Mm. still there Mm. why haven't they left a number of reasons. I mean, sometimes it's different with different families have different priorities. So like some families will tell you, I just want my son to graduate first and then they can go and work somewhere else. Or I just want my kids to finish school and then they can go. Some people who have private businesses that haven't been touched by the war or have even gotten better with the war, like some businesses go bad, some businesses go well. Like for example, if you're the person selling um, battery lamps on the side of the road, you're probably, because the electricity there is very not stable, you're probably going to be selling a lot of them, you know? Mm. Whereas if you, I don't know, if you have, if you're a dentist, like, you know, you also will probably still have business. I mean, people will still need to get their teeth checked. But if you're a teacher, for example, or if you worked in a rural area like my dad, because he was an engineer and a researcher in, like, rural areas, which are, like, mostly occupied by, like, writing terrorist groups now um you would probably have to leave yeah yeah so it just it depends on a lot of factors and of course not everyone wants to leave like it's hard and it's expensive and you know you might not you might not find anything here so yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. complex <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's interesting like I, I really wonder what comes up when someone Googles things. Like, know. what are the results? I feel like um, it would just be, like, something really vague about the war or the um, humanitarian, like, crisis or something like that. Yeah. 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 But it is interesting to hear the perspective of people who, like, despite everything that's happening, are still there. Yeah. And that the decision to leave is not quite as simple. Yeah. It, it's definitely – it's never an easy or simple decision. And I, like I said before, I think it just depends on your priorities and on what you want for yourself and for your kids and like how old your kids are and how much money you have. And, and yeah, it's, it's very difficult and it's very expensive and it's, and it's risky as well, you know, like it's, especially with what Turkey's doing now and the re- like the re- the region itself is very unstable, not just Syria, everyone around, everywhere around it. So it's super hard to actually physically get out safely and with all your like you know your possessions do you want to read this question now (laughs) yeah okay so after all those very serious questions there's a question that says why do syrian hamsters bite now i've never seen this before so i don't even don't even know what to tell you like i couldn't answer it even if i wanted to i don't even i feel like there is an entire group of people (laughs) on this planet who probably have like Facebook groups and Reddit chains and stuff about Syrian hamsters. Oh my god. And are just like completely immersed. Yeah, I mean probably. you know, it's like so hats off to them for like having a passion. But like it's just so strange to think that there are things that like people are live their whole lives around and we don't even know what they are. <laughs> I just like out of all the things, like that is so random and, and weird and you know what, if that makes you happy then you do you, but yeah, I can't answer it. <laughs> <sighs>
Well, the next question is why do Syrian refugees want to come to the UK? Which is, I guess, kind of related to the come to Australia one. Mm. I don't know. Maybe are they comparable? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, anywhere, roughly in you know, the Europe, I would say, or Australia as well, is probably a really appealing option for refugees and migrants and anyone trying to leave their country, uh, their war torn country. So yeah, I mean. I would be a bit hesitant with the UK, though, given like Brexit and ever, you know, Brexit and all. Um, but yeah, I can see, I can definitely see the appeal, and I understand why it would be those countries first before, like, you know, like South America or Africa or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell me the reason why? I mean, like, I think it's just common sense, you know. Like, though Europe is seen as a stable um, continent now and the continent that is thriving, um, and people don't want to live somewhere where there's a likelihood that a war is going to break out again. So I think Europe went through all its wars and its old bloody history, you know, a few decades ago, and now it's managed to build an, uh, like a, you know, a, a peaceful environment. And I think that's where people want to be. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting for me, like hearing both sides, because it's like people I know who live in Europe mm-hmm. are like, why do you bother trying to come so far when you could just like stop in Turkey or Lebanon or something? Oh, because I can, <laughs> I mean, that's really naive because Turkey, first of all, is literally invading the north of Syria and they're very involved in the conflict. Lebanon is like on the brinks of collapsing because it has 1.5 million refugees. The country is already so fragile, like they can't take anything anymore. And like they're having protests right now anyway, so they're unstable themselves. Jordan has the biggest refugee camp and Jordan doesn't even like like it's just those that whole region is very unstable and every country is fragile and has a fragile economic and political system and they're already dealing with so much pressure they can't possibly like if you go there you're not going to have a good standard of life whereas if you go to America or to Europe you're more likely to be safe be protected be respected you know like everyone everyone looks down at like I don't know how much you know, but, you know, like the treatment of refugees in that Middle East region by neighboring countries hasn't been very good. So, of course, they want to go somewhere where people understand the importance of human rights and respect. Or at least they think they do. Not most people do, let's be fair. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, like when you put it like that, it just it's like so obvious. But I don't know, like I don't know the reason why our political discourse has been so fragmented Mm. when it's something like okay so this is probably a really silly example Mm. but whenever we start talking about the refugee crisis Mm. I remember this one movie that I watched Mm. and I don't know what the name of the movie is but (laughs) there was this family that was in Thailand Mm. and in this movie the king died and it was just chaos Chaos, every day and they want to flee do you know what movie I'm talking about no okay so they wanted to flee and it was just a nightmare they were trying to get out and Mm. then they got into a river mm. and they entered Vietnam mm. and when they got there they like had their hands up they were on this boat and they were mm. like we're Americans we're refugees and I was like so when I was watching this movie this was ages ago I yeah. was like okay I get it you know like you're trying to escape this place like yeah. all this violence of course like you want and I and I was looking at the soldiers on the screen I was like of course you have to accept them you can't shoot them like they're just trying to you know like escape all this violence it it makes sense right and then like every time I think about the refugee crisis I'm like doesn't it make as much sense 
as the mm. Americans in that movie. Yeah. Like I don't. Well, it does. I mean, from yeah. what you've just described to me, that's that is the situation. People are fleeing from violence, from from you know from ah, from everything, <laughs> like from everything bad that you can imagine, from lack of in, infrastructure, from no social systems, no legal systems, no work, no money, and like instability not even just where they're living but in that entire region like of course they want to leave you know of course they're vulnerable and of course they need to get out and <sighs> yeah the whole the whole deal yeah yeah but at the same time like you said that you some people wouldn't even want to leave i mean it's not about not even wanting some people we're very stubborn i think as a nation i mean <laughs> but um some people like i said it depends on like if their business is going well then they can just like they can maintain if they don't have any kids if they don't have a lot at stake then they probably can stay but i think your average family or you know teacher or whatever like they would be desperate to get out yeah yeah Okay, cool. Mm. Uh, do you want to read the next question? Why do Syrians have red hair? Well, I mean, you know, like, I don't want to say this question is coming from someone who's very stereotypical and thinks that we all have black hair and tan skin. <laughs> um, but because it's a gene and, you know, it can exist anywhere. Um, so you said, uh, like, in our previous episode mm -hmm. that Syrians, like, well, the Syria that you grew up in was really multicultural, like yes. lots of people of different races. Mm -hmm. So does that include like people with blonde hair, red hair, yes. like black hair, brown yes. hair, everything? Yes, definitely. Um, sure, there weren't a lot of them, but they were definitely there. Like I think, you know, like most of not most of us, but like I don't really I don't really want to say I'm like your average Syrian looking person, like not, we're not all that tall, this tall and, <laughs> and, and thin, but no. For reference, how tall are you? Oh god, I don't know. Tall. Like one eighty, say? Okay. Yeah. Um but I would say, like, we're, most of us have, like, darker-ish hair, darker features, bigger features, brown eyes. But, like, my mom, she's a blonde lady. She's got blonde hair and, like, green eyes. She's so light. She burns, like, in two seconds under the sun. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely all different shapes and sizes and colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you think this question comes from? Like, why well, do you think this is being asked so often that it's on the top results? people just think that, well, okay, well, I would say... The person who or the reason why that question is there is maybe because most people who have access to the internet these days think that we just look like I don't know terrorists <laughs> and they just want to know if we have we can have these features that are deemed to be European you know like light skin light hair whatever and the answer is yes we can that would be my answer I mean like I didn't even know that before this question yeah, yeah, well, Syria was as multicultural. Yeah, as and I feel like it. The reason why this war is so complex and there's like this whole like network of national interests at work is because there are so many different groups involved and so many different interests because we were so multicultural that everyone like you know has gone to like their own side and everyone wants this outcome and that outcome and obviously they can't work at the same time, and yeah, it's 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 kind of a curse really because everyone just wants their own thing and and they don't really want to they're not really willing to cooperate with the other side and that's why it's very complicated and very intense and gives me a headache <laughs> but it's important to remember that it didn't always used to be that of way of course no yeah. yeah but when you learn about it i think when you study it and when you learn about the history as well and what led to these events it feels like it was almost inevitable 
for things to turn like this. Maybe not, definitely not maybe, definitely not to this extent, I would say, but there was always going to be um, a problem, I think. Just, you know, like not to make this podcast political, but, you know, like when, when the president has been in power for so many years and when he comes from a minority group in Syria, I mean, how do you think the majority group's going to feel, you know? Yeah. So just things like that. Yeah. 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 That makes so much sense. Maybe I should study Middle East politics next year. I mean, I highly recommend it, but you do have to be like interested because I know some people that are doing it that are like absolutely hate it. I don't know how, like I love it so much. I literally eat it for breakfast. Like it's so good. <laughs> I remember you told me this hilarious oh, no. story oh, no. about how your lecturer pronounced the name. Yes. Can you tell me yes. the story again? Okay. So my lecturer, bless his heart. Very smart man, definitely knows what he's doing, but cannot for his life pronounce names correctly. Now, like, I, I understand that they're difficult, but there was um, in 19, in the 1950s, um, the, there was a guy called Nasser in Egypt that was, that nationalized the Suez Canal and that, like, tried to form, like, a United Arab Republic with Syria that only lasted a few years and it didn't work. Um, anyways, he was a pretty key political figure, like, in the history of the Middle East. Um, and for when, when my lecturer was giving the lecture on Nasser, he kept saying NASA, like, like that, like NASA, NASA, NASA. And I was like, like NASA, like the space people, like I was so confused. And I just genuinely thought, I was like, how can I even pretend to be Syrian when I don't even know that NASA was involved in my, in my region. And I was like, what, how did I miss this? And then I thought, like, when I started doing the readings for that week, I was like, Mm, yeah and I actually spoke to him about it as well and I was like look you're, you're great but but um but it's you know NASA and I actually thought you were talking about NASA which is very funny but um but yeah I mean other than the pronunciation which kind of like just like triggers me every time he does it in class has um, he not fixed it not really, no. I mean, and there's, like, other names, like, the names of the cities and stuff. Like, I mean, bless him. Like, he's trying, but, you know. Mm. It's just hilarious. <laughs> it is. It's very funny. Like, my friend and I, she's Iraqi, and we sit in the class, and we just, like, kind of, like, laugh at his um, really piss-poor attempts at pronouncing. But what can you do? I feel like I will always remember this particular part of G Egyptian history Good. because of this story. I mean, but I have no context about, I know. Just, about anything. You else. just know that there was a Nasser involved at one stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the Suez Canal. Yes, that's there you it. go. The I mean, that's pretty big. Of Egypt, like, no, that's a big chunk of Egyptian history, I would say. Um, but yeah, if that's what you're going to remember, like, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm not complaining. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, okay, so we have our last question, mm -hmm. which. <laughs> Has to do with Syrian oh, hamsters again. Again, true. I didn't even see that one. Why do Syrian hamsters fight? Look, buddy, whoever you are, <laughs> you need to like sort out some stuff. It's clearly there's clearly something going on, you know. Um, I can't really answer that question, but you know, if you, if you if you find out, let me know because I kind of want to own a Syrian hamster now. Oh, I wonder if they're so any weird. different to normal hamsters. Yeah. Like, I don't they would be back to do oh, just so random let's google it they look exactly the same but like look at how to look after a Syrian <laughs> hamster like what so weird this is so weird oh no this is gonna take us into a rabbit hole that I don't think I want to get into right now but yeah well now you know that um Syria is also famous for something else yeah <laughs> if people don't want to hear my story at least I can maybe attract their interest by <laughs> talking about hamsters. Clearly. Yeah, seriously. You could be like, uh, you should know our country 
buy something else. <laughs> I know, it's not just the wool. <laughs> also, hamsters. Literally, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, me, too. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jude Kasali. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having it. If you liked what we're making, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It helps us get these stories of extraordinary, ordinary people out even more. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Our next episode is out on Monday, so get keen for that. You can also catch updates on our socials on Instagram at goodmorning.pod or our Facebook group, Good Morning Podcast. We would also love to hear about someone who you think is extraordinary in a group, so get posting. See you on Monday.